Um, The reading this evening is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 13, and it can be found on page 1181. Philippians 4, starting at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Let's pray. Father, we have just been praying that you would be glorified in us, whatever comes our way. And Lord, at this point in our service, we want to pray for people and their circumstances and praying that you would be glorified in difficult times. Father, we want to pray especially for the family of the little boy who was killed in the car accident over the weekend. Lord, we um, pray for comfort for his family. Lord, we pray um, for those who continue to need to be healed, that that would happen quickly. And Lord, as in the days and weeks and months that lie ahead, Lord, that you would be a source of comfort to those who mourn. And Lord, that you would be close to them. Father, we thank you for our young people. We thank you for um, all they heard at Summer Madness. We thank you for um, how they're serving or attending um, various cancer missions across across Northern Ireland. Lord, would you be with them? Lord, we just pray that this would be a really formative time for them as they see you at work in ways that they couldn't even ask for or have imagined. Lord, that when they come back to us at the end of the summer, um, Lord, we would be able to rejoice in the fruit that we see and also um, be able to, to use them in ways that they've been used over the summer as well. Father, we give you thanks for times of celebration. Lord, we thank you for those who've been recently married and we pray for those who are soon to be married. Lord, we pray that they, you would be the centre of their home. Lord, that you would be the centre of their relationship. And as they come to terms with 
um, new routines and different arrangements, Lord, we pray that you would make their paths smooth. Lord, we pray for our local community. Lord, we um, want to just place the walkway summer scheme into your hands and ask that you be with all those involved this week. Um, Lord, would you keep them safe in all they do? And as we serve the community in this way, Lord, would your name be glorified and honoured, even if it's not necessarily spoken of in a really overt way. Lord, we thank you for Rachel. Lord, we pray that you would continue to protect her, that you would continue to give her the strength and the courage that she needs to carry out all the things that she does down in walkway. Lord, we want to pray as well for those who are dear to us, but are maybe not near to us. Lord, um, each of us have people who maybe aren't close at hand, but Lord, we pray that you would protect them, Lord, that you would be close to them, and Lord, for those who we love who don't know you, Lord, we pray that you would make their, your face known to them. Lord, we give you thanks tonight, especially for Reuben. Lord, we thank you for what he has done in our church. Lord, we thank you for him being part of our church family. Lord, we thank you for Jenny as well, and we pray for them both as they embark, embark on a new chapter of their lives as they um, go to Willowfield. Lord, would you your hand be on them? Lord, would you um, be their protection, be their strength, be their wisdom? Lord, we thank you for um, Sam and Emma here with us and pray for Sam as he um, continues to develop in his role as our assistant minister um, as he takes a, a more full-time role over the next next weeks and months. Lord, we thank you for Frank and Claire, Lord, and for their, their short break that they've had. And Lord, we just pray that they would be refreshed as they go back to their various responsibilities this week. Lord, thank you for Bill and Ruth. Lord, we pray for them as they move into a new chapter of their lives, Lord, that you would be their guidance, Lord, as they, um, and as they seek to serve you, Lord, that you would open new doors for them. Lord, we thank you for Elizabeth as well. Lord, would you be with her as she goes and visits members of our congregation, that she would have the right words to say and just be with people at the, the right place at the right time. And Lord, for Dorothy, we thank you for her work in the office and pray that you'd be with her as she um, deals with the disruption at the minute um, with no internet or phone. Lord, we thank you for our church family. We pray protection for those who are away on holidays and refreshment. And um, Lord, for those who are about to go, who aren't going away, Lord, we pray that you would be close to them. And we just ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you very much uh, to Karen for just organising that and doing so well there with just leading us. You lead us really well every time, so I really appreciate that. And to Sarah for reading as well. Thank you so much. And um, before we start with our evening, I want to take 30 seconds, just 30 seconds, just to say a, a massive thank you um, to everyone here at Bloomfield, just for, for the support and love that I've known over the last three years and just how much of a joy it's been for me to to get to know every single one of you and some I've got to know very well some maybe it's with the the nature of the job I've been able to get to say hello to you on a Sunday morning and maybe that's been it but every single person um, has played a massive part in making myself and Jenny just feel so welcome here and my time spent with the young people has been just such a joy such a pleasure and um, I want to thank you for raising them so well parents you're doing an incredible job Keep it going. Grandparents, you're doing an incredible job. Leaders, you're doing an amazing job. And I just want to really encourage you guys to, to keep going in that. Um, we are going to really miss being around here as much as we are. We're going to make every effort to, to try and sneak back uh, whenever we can. But yeah, we've, we've loved it. And I just want to publicly say a big thank you. And I really appreciate it this morning as well, John, just saying that we go with, with your blessing. And that, that means a lot. Um, so let's just quickly bow our heads in prayer before we come to, to God's word. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. We thank you that we can gather together um, and, and sing praise to you, Lord. We can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We can come freely, Lord, and, and praise your name. And we can sing those words that it is well. And we can sing those words when it's really difficult, Father. We can sing them when it's easy, but we can sing them when it's hard. Lord, show us this evening just what that looks like. Show us how we can um, give you glory and honor and praise no matter what the circumstances. So Lord, as we open your word, I pray you'd bless that. I pray you'd bless me as I speak. And if there's anything that is not of you, I pray that it would fall on deaf ears. And Lord, for the rest of us here this evening, I pray you'd open our ears and our hearts and our minds to what you have to say this evening. And we give it all over to you now. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. So before we actually come into uh, really looking at the, the verse, I guess I want to share with you a story, and the story hopefully backs up a little bit um, about what we'll be talking about this evening, but for the last while we have been looking at uh, verses that have been misused, or verses that are easily misused from the Bible, and tonight we're going to be looking at Philippians 4.13, which says, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So one of my earliest memories of using this verse, or at least allowing this verse to kind of uh, influence my way of thinking, it was when I was back in primary school, I think it might have been um, P5 or P6, well, mum and dad are here this evening, mum, you might remember this story, and um, with a bit of luck so you can back me up, but my teacher made an announcement from the front of the class, and she said, okay, we're going to be having, uh, we're going to be taking some young people to a swimming gala in the Robinson Centre next Saturday. Any of you that would like to sign up, any of you that would like to go along, just come and let me know. Now, disclaimer, I had no idea what a swimming gala was. I knew the Robinson Centre. I'd been there plenty of times. I knew that there were diving boards in the Robinson Centre, and I knew how to get onto the diving board. I'd never made my way to the top, but I'd just about ventured my way to the middle one. I'd jump off, doggy paddle to the side, roll out of the swimming pool, and get back up and go again. And that was the height of it. So I put my name down, I thought, this sounds like fun, great, swimming gallows, Robin's Centre, I know what that's about, great. On the Saturday, I arrived, and the only other person I recognised was, was another guy in my class called Simon. Now, Simon was, he was known for being a very strong swimmer. That's, that's kind of his thing, you know, there were boys, or there's, there's Johnny, a good footballer, or there's uh, Lucy, she's really good in class. Simon was Simon the swimmer. He was known for that, and he was the only other person that I recognised there. And when I went in, mum dropped me off. I think you might have had a message that you dropped me off and you went away. And I was approached by my teacher and she said, okay, what race do you want to do today, Reuben? I was like, race? Uh, I can just go onto the diving board. I said, no, 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 what race do you want to do? And I looked through the seat and there was no doggy paddle race, so I knew I was snookered. But I thought, okay, I've got to just fake it until I make it. And I said, okay, just sign me up for, for whatever. Um, and I'll do it, no problem. So I was signed up for, I, I must have been front crawl or whatever it may be, but as I sat there and waited for my race to come up, all these other races were happening. I was watching the other boys and girls fly up and down the swimming pool as if they had flippers on. They were so quick, and at this point, my, my fake it till you make it attitude was very quickly starting to disappear. And I can remember in that moment, sitting there at the side, yeah, I didn't have my armbands on, I felt I was out of my comfort zone, <laughs> and I began to think to myself, how am I going to do this? So I thought, right, okay, I, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray to God. God, 
make sure I can do this, okay? That, and then I'll be fine. I'll just say, God, would you make sure, please, that I can complete this, this swimming gala, that I can complete my race and get out, and it'll be great. I can go home and enjoy my day. I didn't pray anything too ambitious. I wasn't looking to win the race. All I wanted to do was complete it and live to see another day. So my race began. You had me in this lane, and you had Simon right to my left. And off he shot like a fish, elegantly gliding through the water, not a splash, just going for it. Whereas I managed to get about five or six meters before I took the first gulp of the chlorinated water and started coughing and spluttering and just looked like a bit of a mess. I couldn't even open my eyes underwater, to be honest with you, never mind compete in a swimming gala. And it wasn't long before I actually saw Simon coming back for his <laughs> second length, but I, was, I wasn't even anywhere halfway through my first. It was a bit embarrassing. And at this age, I'd actually stopped, honest, I'd stopped trying to kick my feet and swim as fast as I could. And I was just trying to do that thing. You know, you run as fast as you can underwater, but you really don't go very quick at all. And the kids were still, they were still flying past me. The whole thing was just a flop. By the time I'd completed a couple of lengths, Simon had finished his five lengths and was out of the pool, toiled off, champion. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In my youth, I clearly, clearly misinterpreted that verse or that kind of way of thinking. But would it be fair to say that it would be naive of us to say that this is only a mistake that we would make in our youth? Would that be fair? I want to look at a bit of context of this verse. As we've been going through um, this series, you, you, you know so easily right now that uh, context is key. Isn't that right? We don't want to ever just take one verse out of the Bible and use it in any context. We must look at the way uh, it's been used in the Word of God. We find this verse in the book of Philippians. Um, and the book of Philippians was written by an apostle named Paul. I'm going to assume that not every single person in the room knows every detail about the book of Philippians, so we're going to go for it from scratch. So written by an apostle named Paul, and in his former life, Paul was known as Saul, and he spent his time persecuting Christians. He was trying to imprison them, and even at times he was trying to put them at death. But after encountering Jesus, well, a lot of us know what happens. Paul then lives to live a life devoted to sharing the news of Jesus Christ. This New Testament book of Philippians, it was written by Paul while he was under house arrest in Rome, and things weren't looking great for Paul, to be honest. Him and his, his missionary colleague Silas, they'd been thrown into prison for interfering with local commerce. See, there was a slave girl, and this, this slave girl was actually, um, she was fortune-telling, and that was the way that she was making money for her owner. She was going around telling people's fortunes, and Paul and Silas, they, they noticed this, and they recognized that this demon needed cast out of this girl. And they stepped into that situation and they did that in the name of Jesus. But their reward for doing that in the name of Jesus was to be in prison, to be put under house arrest. So Paul's future was pretty uncertain. He didn't know how long he would be in prison for or if he would even be executed by the Romans who were widely known for persecuting Christians. But even in his circumstances, he writes this letter to the church in Philippi. He writes it to encourage them to serve God faithfully and to experience joy that's found in Christ in all circumstances. And this, this theme of joy, this idea of joy, it's really strong in the book of Philippians. You've only, got, you've only got four chapters in this book 
And in this four chapters, the, the word joy and rejoice, it, it appears no less than 16 times. It is a, a really important theme to the book of Philippians. And to be honest, it's the perfect backdrop for, for Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, which says, again, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But how is this uh, verse ever misused? Well, I suppose in many ways, the answer to that question was shown in, in my story of the disaster swimming gala. But the way this is often misused is that we assume that because we are a Christian, we should be able to do anything. We should be able to do anything or we should be able to achieve anything or, or overcome anything, conquer anything. And in many ways, maybe we assume that life should be a bit of a doddle because now that we have Jesus in our life, I guess maybe we've become like a little bit of a, a superhuman or, or a superhero in that sense and we can do whatever it is that we need to do. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there and assume that it's possibly not the way that you guys are thinking right now. Maybe some of you have thought that way in the past. Maybe some of you are thinking that way right now and we're going to talk about that. But what I wonder is, has our thinking ever even come close to that? Have you ever gone down the lines of, of thinking something like, why do bad things happen to good people? Or even a bit more specifically, why did that bad thing happen to, to that Christian man down the road? He, he's a good man. He loves the Lord. Why is he going through that? Or why, what about the Christian lady who, who is really struggling with this, who, who, who is suffering right now? Why is she having to go through that? She loves the Lord. And if we're honest, there's probably a few more of us that have allowed our thoughts to wander down that path before. But I think that underlying all of that kind of, of mindset, there's a quiet voice, isn't there? There's a quiet voice that assumes that a Christian maybe doesn't deserve those things. Or at least that they, they shouldn't have to go through that. They shouldn't have to go through that because of now who they are in Christ. But in approaching Philippians 4.13, I want us to, to remember one thing before we move forward at all. This is important. If it can happen to anyone, it can happen to a Christian. Okay? If it can happen to anyone, it can happen to a Christian. So any sickness, any hurt, any, any pain, any, any, any heartbreak, we as human beings are all vulnerable to those things as well. But this is where Philippians 4.13 really kicks in. So let's have a wee look at the context of the verses that are just wrapped around Philippians 4.13 on, on the lead up to it. I want to just read uh, from, from verses 10 forward. If you can, if you can flick with me there um, and follow with me, that would be great. So in verse 10, it says this. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So the context of this verse is actually about being content. It's not so much about being able to do anything 
or everything. It's not about being that, that sort of superhuman or superhero person. It's about being content and being able to rejoice in the Lord no matter what the circumstances. And Paul talks here a little bit about knowing the secret, doesn't he? He, talks, he uses this language about a secret and being able to be content. And thankfully, he doesn't keep that secret to himself. The secret is to do all these things in Jesus' strength and not our own. And that's pretty, pretty, pretty simple, pretty straightforward, it might, might seem. And a few verses back in verse 8, if you look there as well, he kind of, he beefs that out a little bit and he, he shows us what that practically might look like. In verse 8 it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, then think about such things. Well, what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? Can you think of anything, anything at all that fits that criteria, doesn't miss one of them out, but hits every single one of them? I, I can't think of anything other than Jesus. I can't think of anything other than Jesus. And Paul is talking here, I think, about Jesus. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, think about Jesus. Don't just let him be an afterthought or a brief conversation, but focus your mind on him and fix your eyes on him. And earlier, I'm shocking at this PowerPoint. I keep, keep skipping slides. You see, here we go. Earlier in the Gospels, we have account, an account of Peter stepping out of the boat. And it's a really good example, I think, of, of how this verse really works out uh, in our lives. You'll know the story. So Peter and the disciples, they're out in, in a boat late at night. And it's, it's found in Matthew chapter 14. There's the verses there. And you, you can flick if you want to. Um, but they're out late at night. And we know it was windy. The, the waves were crashing around the boat. The wind was howling. And the next thing, the disciples, they see this man walking out to them. And they're pretty freaked out. At first they think it's a ghost and they're scared. But Jesus calls out to them and he says, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, then tell me to come out to you. And Jesus simply says, come. Now in that moment when Peter stepped out of the boat and onto the water, his eyes are fixed on Jesus. He's walking out to meet him, walking on water. But what happens next? We all know, don't we? we, we, we he, he takes his eyes off Jesus. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he, he starts looking at the waves, starts hearing the wind, and he focuses on that and he begins to sink. And in that moment, when he's beginning to sink, his eyes are not on Jesus. Instead, they're on the circumstances. And Paul, Paul is saying, I know the secret. I know the secret of being in any circumstance and being able to keep my head above the water. I have to fix my eyes on him. I've got to think, I've got to ponder, I've got to meditate and reflect my life on Jesus. Now, whether you are in, whether you're in the valley of life or on the mountaintop, whether you're in one of those times where it's just the lowest of low in life right now, it seems like it couldn't get any lower, or whether you're just riding life high at the top right now. The secret is the same. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to praise God in the good times and in the bad times. I want to be able to rejoice in him no matter what my circumstances. Because even in the valley, I'm not going to throw in the towel on God because I know my circumstances do not mean 
that God has thrown the towel in on me. Even in the valley, I'm not going to throw in my towel on God because I know that my circumstances don't mean that God has thrown the towel in on me. I want to share with you a story about uh, a lady called Helen Bahani. I might have pronounced that second name wrong, but I, I think that's right. Now, Helen is from Eritrea, and Helen's actually very good friends with Sinite, who lots of you will know from church. And Helen has, in fact, Helen and Sinite both have incredible stories of, of praising God in the valley, praising him in the valley. And I want to share with you a little bit about Helen's story this evening. Now, Helen lived in Eritrea, and she was a Christian there, and she was imprisoned for her faith. In Eritrea, you're not, you're not allowed to, to profess your faith and, and in any way be evangelistic, and it's, it's frowned upon, and she was, she was imprisoned. And it wasn't imprisoned in the way that we've been imprisoned here in the UK. She was thrown into a shipping container. Now, many of you might have come in the side door this evening, and out the side here, you'll see we've got, we've got two big shipping containers. As we're knocking in the back holes, we're moving everything around. And if you've had a chance to go inside there, they are not nice places. They're dark. They are, they're smelly. The door can still be open in there, and you'll automatically still feel claustrophobic. And I wonder even this evening, if you're able to, when you're leaving tonight, if you're able to, try and nip out the side door and catch a glimpse of what that shipping container looks like and just take a, a second to reflect on the story of, of Helen here. She was imprisoned there in that shipping container for two and a half years and during that time she was beaten and tortured repeatedly. During the day in, in this container it would be like an oven. It would be so so hot. The sun would beat down and it would be so hot that it would be hard for Helen to, to even breathe. But then come the night time the temperatures were, would fall so much that actually the, the prisoners that were in these containers, they would get hypothermia. Now Helen being the woman she was, she was passing messages of encouragement to other inmates. And on these messages, she would scribble down verses. And at one point, these messages were intercepted by the guards. And so the guards burst into Helen's container and they said, Helen, where is your Bible? To which Helen replied, I don't have a Bible. And the guards then asked her, Helen, is your Bible in your head? Yes. Then we must beat it out of your head. So they pulled her into a courtyard and they stood around her with wooden planks and they began to beat her. But get this, as she was being beaten, Helen looked to one of the guards and she said, I do not hate you. For you are just carrying out an order but I need you to know something. I am carrying out an order too, not to renounce Jesus Christ as my savior. So carry on. So carry on. They threw her body back into the container again, battered and bruised. And as she lay there on the floor, she began to say these words. She began to sing these words actually. She sang, thank you Lord for the cold nights. Thank you for the hot days. Thank you for the hunger and thank you for the sickness. Thank you, Lord. Helen was in the valley and she had a different song on her heart than anyone would ever have expected. She had a song of thankfulness. She had a reason to rejoice in the name of Jesus and she had her eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. 
for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Helen was doing it. She was doing it through Christ who strengthened her. Paul, Paul talks about that secret of being content in any and every situation. And I believe Helen had found that secret. She knew that. You might be forgiven for thinking that uh, it's in those times in the, in, in the valley when times are pretty, pretty tight. You might think that uh, that's whenever we take our eyes off Jesus. That's whenever we, we fix our eyes on the circumstances instead. But don't be fooled, okay? Don't be fooled because the mountaintop can actually be a pretty dangerous place too. Just like in the valley, we can allow our circumstances to take our eyes off Jesus. We begin to fix our eyes instead, maybe on our good bank balance, or we, we fix our eyes on the, 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 re, the relationship that's going well, or maybe on the, the good health report, or whatever it may be, and we change Philippians 4.13, we change it to, I can do all things through my bank balance that gives me strength, or I can do all things through this relationship, my, my boyfriend or my girlfriend that, is, that allows me to, to get through the day. Or I can do all things through this alcohol that just allows me to, to, to kick through another day. I can do all things through, insert whatever it may be for, for you. And the danger here is that we take our eyes off Jesus because we don't actually feel, really, we don't feel that we need a saviour in those moments on the mountaintop when everything is going great. We don't feel the need for a saviour, maybe. But unfortunately for us as human beings, too often we allow our feelings to be the deciding factor in our lives. But both in the valley and in the mountaintop, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And there's another uh, little bit of advice I want to, to tie in alongside with what Paul is saying here. And it's advice for the, for the valley and for the mountaintop. And it's really, really simple. But it's something that I think we aren't always amazing at doing. Personally speaking, absolutely not. The advice is this. Remember, just rem remember what God has done in your life. Remind yourself of what God has done. And I, we are not good at this. I'm not, the people of God were not good at this. Look at Psalm 106, verse 21 to 22. It says, talking about the Israelite people here, it says, they forgot the God who had saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea how easily we can forget what God has done in our lives. And there's another, uh, in another book of the Bible, we see this um, in the book of Joshua, chapter four. Flick with me to Joshua chapter four. We're gonna read this from, from verses four through to seven. Let me see if I can find the page for you. Page 218. And the church Bible is there. It says this. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, 
to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Then tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelite people, they were, they were finally about to make it into the promised land. They were finally about to get there, but they needed to cross the Jordan. And again, we see that the waters stopped and they walked through. They walked through without being harmed. And Joshua, he is clever enough to know the way humans work, to know how forgetful they are. And he says, I want you to get a stone and we're going to build a monument to remind ourselves of how great, of how powerful, how strong, and how faithful our God is. I need that too. What has God done in your life? What's he spoken into your life in times of, of hardship or trial? How have you seen God move? You know, there's been times in my life when I look back and I, honestly, God has, been, has moved in powerful, powerful ways. But I will be the first to admit that I can forget those times. And I need to be reminded myself though often, be that a journal or, or, or a reminder on my phone or whatever practical thing it may be. Maybe it's even as simple as reminding ourselves of who we were before we became a Christian and what has God done in my life to make me who I am today? What has God done in my life through his saving grace? And maybe it's simple as reminding ourselves actually of what he did on the cross, just fixing your eyes there. So what now? Just before that, sorry, it says we need to remind ourselves so that when our circumstances change, we remember that our God doesn't change. So yeah, that's the thing. I want, that's very important. Our circumstances do change, but our God doesn't. It says in his word, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what, what now? I know that I can be content in anything and everything, but what now? Well, I want to suggest that when we grasp this, actually we learn the secret that Paul knew and fear is replaced with courage. Fear is replaced with, with boldness. And if we're being honest, I think, especially here in Northern Ireland, we live in a culture where we will go above and beyond to simply stay in that zone where we know we are, we're, we are comfortable. We are comfortable and content. And even in those times when we might, may find ourselves outside of those zones, we panic and we, we pretend that everything is actually okay. We pretend we're still in that, that comfort zone. How, how are you? How are you getting on? Oh, I'm absolutely fine. Yeah, great. Thanks. Moving on. And we cover up the cracks and we pretend that everything is great. But when I know that, Jesus, that in Jesus I can rejoice no matter what my circumstance and I can be content whether I'm in time of plenty or in a time of need, that gives me courage to, to go to the places that he needs me to go. It gives me courage to put myself in the position that I know he's called me to, no matter what my circumstances may be. It allows us to step out of the boat where the oceans around us rise and our feet may fail because our eyes are fixed on him and we're doing it in his strength. The one who's defeated our circumstances, the one who's conquered our sin, 
and the one who knows what it means. He knows, no one knows better than Jesus to know what it means to be lifted high to the highest of heights and to be brought low to the lowest of lows. Do you know what's interesting, a wee fact as well, at Bethlehem where Jesus was born, that's the lowest point or one of, close to the lowest point on earth's land as well. That's just a, a point by, by the wayside, but it's pretty interesting that Jesus literally, literally went from the highest of heights to the lowest of lows. It all seems a bit of a simple answer, really, and I, I get that, and I, know, I do know that it's, it's not just as simple as waking up in the morning and saying, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, and you off you go whistling to work, and all the troubles and worries of the day just flutter away. I, I get that. But when we step out of the boat, we fix our eyes on him, not on the circumstances. And I also I generally feel that, that God's put it on my heart to say that there should be no, no shame or guilt. If, if you're here this evening and you feel that actually you haven't um, been fixing your eyes on him, that you know him, but you, you've been in those, the, the times of the valley or those really, really hard times and you haven't fixed your eyes on him, because Peter, he was the same. He struggled with that. He took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. But what happens then? Jesus reaches out. He reaches out and he offers him the hand to pull him back up to safety. Pray. Read his word. Meditate on him. For Jesus is enough. Have you learned the secret that Paul learned? Do you want fear replaced by courage? Are you able to stand in the valley or on the mountaintop and rejoice? And be able to say, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know I do. Let's bow in a word of prayer as we finish. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are so much bigger than any of our circumstances. And Lord, we want to humble ourselves before you in that. Father, I pray that you would reveal to us our own hearts. You would reveal to us where we stand. Do we stand in, in a place in our comfort zone, Lord, where we are in control? Or... Are we willing to go where you call us? Are we willing to step out of the boat? And know, Lord, that we can praise your name, we can rejoice and be content in any and every circumstance. Lord, search our heart. Speak to us, Father. Challenge us by your spirit. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Uh, visual is probably a good cue for me to get up uh, and just say a word if I may uh, because for the last two weeks um, uh, Claire and I and our dog have been uh, underneath Muslim Temple going for walks at seven o'clock each morning and enjoying it very much indeed. Um, I know that John has already expressed to the morning congregation our deep appreciation of uh, Reuben and of Jenny 
but it would be quite wrong if we in the evening congregation did not also do the same. And so for that very reason, uh, I'm just delighted to be able to do that right now. Reuben, um, where has three years gone? I don't know. It has been a joy working with you, and I know I speak for uh, the rest of the team as well. We have enjoyed our uh, times uh, in staff meetings together, praying together, uh, crying together, laughing together, working together. Um, it has been sheer joy, and um, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss you very much indeed. I, I, I um, felt a bit of a tear um, with that first song um, that uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we're going to miss you, uh, when you when you go from us, but you go with our blessing and you go with our love and uh, just want you to know how much I appreciate you and uh, how deeply uh, we love you and uh, are thankful for you. Um, Claire, have you a wee thing for, for Jenny? Maybe maybe just uh, if Jenny uh, and uh, Reuben can come up just for a wee second as Sam uh, surreptitiously comes up and takes a photograph. Uh, which, good man. How, how appropriate this is. Uh, how, how nice for you to do that. I know. I just want to say a wee word um, to Jenny before I give her these flowers and she can say amen the way I did last year. But um, Jenny, you have been a huge influence with the young people um, as you have worked and served them. And I'm speaking on behalf of Ruth, who uh, summed it up really, and she said, Jenny is just amazing and lovely. And that's how we feel about you. And um, I've spoken to Reuben already about this, but we know that you have a special role and gift that God will use in the field as well. And we're just slightly slightly envious I think <laughs> but I always think of um, of it really like being a watering can and we've all had the hose pipe man and we, our arms are the length of our knees now carrying watering cans around and really the two of you are the people that we are sending as you go to Willowfield and we are we are sharing our love from Bloomfield in that watering can as you go and I want you to know our home our church family is always open to you and all the young people that you'll get to know. We know that God has blessed your ministry here immensely. And there are people here tonight who are here because of your ministry. And we're so thankful for that. So Jenny, we love you. Maybe just one final little word. Um, Reuben, you were speaking to us t tonight from the book of Philippians. And what a great communicator you are. And thank you for what you've shared with us tonight. I, As I was thinking about this, this evening I was thinking about another verse from Philippians. It's from Philippians chapter 2. And the Apostle Paul, he acknowledges that they were living in a crooked and depraved generation. But uh, he says, you shine like a star in the universe. And uh, that has been my impression of you. And together you are stars in the dark world. But you shine brightly. May God continue to bless you and enable you to shine brightly in his service and in his love. Thank you. A round of applause. Thank you.